Well, Browncroft, it is so great to be here. I know what you're for. You're for the Bills. Okay, so there you go. Uh, I'm from Atlanta. I'm for the Falcons, which immediately should cause you to pray for me. Okay, um, uh, I've, I grew up in Atlanta. I'm a lifelong sports fan. Uh, we've won more. Uh, we've built more stadiums than we've won championships in Atlanta. So uh, again, you should feel sorry for me. But I'm so glad to be here. I'm so honored. I, I, this is my first time physically being here, but I've been a fan of your pastor in this church for quite a while now. And I'll say this, if, if, this, if you're like me today and uh, this is your first time here, um, I want to tell you, you're surrounded by some of the most amazing people. They're doing some incredible things. I'm going to talk about that in your community to be for your community. Now, in church world, uh, sometimes we get this question. Rob and I get this question when it comes to uh, church. If this is your first time here, you need to know this. Um, sometimes people ask, how long is the service going to be? Okay, so typically we go about four and a half to five hours here. So you're going to be fine. Okay, I'm just kidding. No, we're only going to be here for an hour, for an hour. Sometimes in church world, people go, hey, what if the Holy Spirit, what if the Lord, what if the Holy Spirit wants you to sing more songs? What if the Holy Spirit wants you to, to preach longer than an hour? And that's, that's cool. Uh, but what we believe here at Browncroft is the Holy Spirit isn't just here in this room. The Holy Spirit is also in the Browncroft Nursery. And our experience is after about an hour, the Holy Spirit leaves the nursery, okay? <laughs> and if the Holy Spirit doesn't want to leave, be there. The volunteers don't want to be there. The whole thing falls apart, okay? So we're only going to be here an hour, okay? But in this hour together, we're going to do something really important. We've already done something really important. We've worshiped together. We've prayed together. But today, one of the things I'm, I've come today is to remind you of why you're doing this. Uh, whether it's a business, we're going to talk to business leaders tomorrow, whether it's an organization, whether it's a nonprofit, or whether it's a church. Every now and then you have to call a timeout and, go and remind ourselves, why are we doing this? Because there's vision drift in any organization. In fact, there's a, there's a business leader of mine, a huge hero of mine. He runs a multi-billion dollar business. He walks around the organization, either in person or virtually, and says this, the main thing is keeping the main thing the main thing. That's the main thing. The main thing is keeping the main thing, the main thing, that's the main thing. He said this over and over and over again. In fact, one time in a meeting, he said at the end of the meeting, and someone raised their hand and said, hey, I have a question. What's the main thing again? And the chief financial officer said, well, this is the main thing. And the CEO goes, well, that's not the main thing. And then so suddenly in this room, they didn't know what the main thing was. And so what that shows is we have to, sometimes we drift off of mission and vision. So what we're doing today at Browncroft is to go, hey, I want to remind you what the main thing is all about. And what you're doing as a church, even especially in these challenging days, it's extraordinary because you know this. In dark, dark days, the light shines brighter. And Jesus said, you're like the light of the world. So I'm going to talk about the main thing today. Now to get there, I'm going to introduce you to a question a question that my father gave me. I'm a preacher's kid. Uh, I've, Browncroft, I've been in church all my life. I went to church nine months before I was born. Okay, I've been around this all of my life. And so I'm a preacher's kid. In fact, interesting, I promised myself I would never, ever, ever work at a church. I told God, God, I will never, ever, ever work at a church. So I worked at a church for 17 years. And if you get nothing out of today, you might want to write down, never tell God you're never going to do something. I think he pays closer attention to that. I think that's somewhere in the book of Leviticus, right? So uh, I recently told God, God, I'm never going to be a billionaire. I'm going to see how he handles that one, okay? So, um, <laughs> so I've been in church all my life. My dad gave me this question, and oh my goodness, whether you're in person or online today, this is a fantastic question. And here's what my dad said. My dad was my hero. He passed away seven years ago, and um, my mom just called me, by the way. She's 94 years old. Uh, and uh, so if, she, if my phone starts ringing again, I might have to answer it, okay? But uh, I know what she's called me about. She's excited about the Falcons game. Why? I don't know, but she's really a big Falcons fan, okay, at 94. So my, my parents were just amazing. Uh, my dad said, son, this question, not only will it help you in your relationship with God, 
it'll help you help other people in their relationship with God. I think this is a fantastic question. Maybe, obviously, he's my dad. So I think it's the best question I've ever heard. I want to give that to you today. I want to connect this question, the answer to it, to what you're doing here at Browncroft. And the question is simply this. What do you think God thinks about when God thinks about you? What do you think, what do you think God thinks about when God thinks about you? By the way, did you know God thinks about you? That should be good news. Some, for some of us, we're really alarmed, right? <laughs> but what you need to know today is that what God thinks, what does God think about when God thinks about you? God thinks about you. Uh, there's a famous theologian, A.W. Tozer. He said something that ties into this. He said the most important thing a person thinks about is what they think about when they think about God. I think that's true, but I think this question gets maybe even deeper. So I've been carrying this question around with me for, all, for most of my life. And as I've asked this question to other people, obviously, you know, 17 years as a pastor, all of that, there's one answer that rises to the surface more frequently than any other. And I want to share with you what that one answer is and why it's important for what you're doing here at Browncroft and how it's important for us not to drift off vision and mission, but to keep the main thing the main thing. Now, before I tell you what that one answer is, and before we dive into the scriptures, I want to give you an illustration that illustrates why I think this, this, this answer is really dangerous and also a little bit heartbreaking. The illustration is uh, my wife and I just last month, we celebrated our 25th anniversary. Okay, so we're excited about that. But 15 years ago, we celebrated our 10th anniversary. And I thought, okay, we made it to double figures. All right, we made it to 10. That's awesome. So we decided to go stay at the Ritz Carlton, really nice hotel in south of Atlanta. Okay, so we check in. We're in, you know, room 511. We go up to the fifth floor and there's 509 and there's 513, but there's no 511. But between 509 and 513, there are these, this big sign that says Ritz-Carlton Presidential Suite. Well, y'all, they ain't us, okay? Um, we're not Ritz-Carlton Presidential Suite kind of people, right? And so uh, I turned to my wife, Wendy, and I said, well, this is odd. The Ritz-Carlton never makes mistakes. Let's go downstairs and tell, us, tell them that they gave us the wrong key. But my wife says, she's the fun one in the, in the marriage. She says, whoa, 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 see if the key works. Oh, honey, the key's not going to work, but okay. This is back in the day. Remember the back in the day when, they, when you went to a hotel and they had red light, green light, right? Like you're worthy. If it's green light, you're not worthy. If you're red light, right? So I put the key in and the green light comes on. And I turn to my wife, Wendy, and she says, shut up. <laughs> she goes, put the key back in. Put the key back in. So I put the key back in expecting red light. This time, green light again. We both leap for the door handle and we open up the door. We've never been in a Ritz-Carlton presidential suite. Um, Browncroft, I don't know. My memory is that, you know, rose petals are falling from the sky, right? It's the largest hotel room. There's a piano. Why is there a piano in this hotel room? I don't know. It was amazing. So we come down to the, what we think is kind of like a little lobby area, right? And we sit down and then Wendy says, all right, well, let's get our bags and go downstairs and tell them they gave us the wrong key. Well, now I've been turned into the fun one in the marriage, right? I'm like, no, 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 no. We're only gonna be here a couple of nights. By the time they figure this out, we'll already be back home, right? And right when I say that, I hear this. And you know who it is, right? It's the Ritz-Carlton. They've come to their senses, right? So I go to the little door, you know, look through the hole, and there's the bellman. And I do what I call is the Ritz-Carlton presidential walk of shame, right? I grab our bags, and it's like, we're not worthy. We're not worthy. We're not worthy. The Ritz-Carlton presidential suite, it's for the really, you know, cool, rich people. This isn't us. So we get our bags because we don't belong here. Now, why do I tell you that story? Well, when it comes to this question, what do you think God thinks about when God thinks about you? The number one answer I've heard over these years, one person's experience is people will look around and go, can I be honest with you, Jeff? Yes. I think God's disappointed in me. I 
think God's frustrated with me. I mean, to be honest with you, Jeff, I'm a little disappointed in me, and I'm a little frustrated with me, and if I'm disappointed in me, I'm sure a holy God is disappointed in me. As a friend of mine says, I know God's probably obligated to love me, I just don't think God likes me a whole lot. And so what this means is for many people, when you dig down deep, here's what it looks like. There's this presidential suite, if you will, of grace, mercy, love, and, and forgiveness. You've been welcomed into the family of God, and yet that's reserved for the perfect people. And because of what I've done in my past, or because of the baggage of my present, or because of the things I'm still struggling with, I'm not, I'm not welcomed into the presidential suite, if you will, of the family of God. That's for the perfect people. I'm not there. Can, can I share something with you? Good news, I think. There are no perfect people. There's only been one. One of the things I love about this church is that the church is not a museum of perfect people. A church is a hospital for broken people who found a savior, who found a doctor that can heal us. In fact, if you're here today at Browncroft and you come up to me afterwards and say, Jeff, I'll be honest with you, I was a little offended by what you said because I, I am perfect. I have no issues. Um, <laughs> That's cool. All right. Here's the good you know, news for you. If you're perfect, you don't have to come back next Sunday. Okay. Uh, in fact, before you decide not to come back next Sunday, though, I would encourage you to ask three people this week. Do you think I'm perfect? Do you think I'm perfect? Listen to what they say. And we'll see you next Sunday here at Browncroft. Okay. Because here the reality is, here's the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel isn't that perfect people have found an ordinary God. The message of the gospel is that there's an extraordinary God who has humbled himself to make his way to broken people. Why? Because he loves you. You're his son. You're his daughter. That's the message of the gospel. In fact, what we're going to look at in the pages of the scripture today is the main thing. If you grew up in church like I did, this is probably the first verse you memorized. This arguably is the most famous verse in all the Bible, but it's the main thing. And if, we got, if, if we're not careful, we'll drift off of what the main thing is. We have been given, Browncroft, the most extraordinary message the world has ever heard and will ever hear. And here's what we need to do. And here's what you're doing to be for your community, whether it's in the nursery, whether it's kids, whether it's on students on Wednesday night, whether it's online, all that you do here. We need to stay on message. Leaders are repeaters. So what is that main message? Well, this main message comes from a conversation that Jesus was having with a religious leader named Nicodemus. And they were, Nicodemus kind of snuck away at night because he didn't want everybody to see that he was associated with Jesus. And they began to have a conversation, in essence, to go, how do you have a relationship with God? And in this conversation, Jesus lets us know who God is in, in favor of and who God is for. In fact, my, this verse, this conversation happens in the Gospel of John, John chapter 3. And in John chapter 3, verse 16, this first word in this verse, maybe the most famous Bible verse of them all, is the word for. I love this little word. My favorite definition of the word for is to be in favor of. In other words, we're going to talk about this tomorrow. I think every organization needs to ask the question, who are we in favor of and what are we in favor of? 
of. And in essence, what Jesus is saying here, the next word here is this for God. Jesus is letting us know, I'm going to tell you who God is in favor of. I'm going to let you know, Nicodemus, who God is in favor of and who God is for. And these next six little words, for God so loved the world. I love these little words. In fact, this is so great. This isn't even half the verse. We could just stop there today. But I'm telling you, Browncroft, and this is what you're doing. You're staying on message to a world that would say, you know what? If there is a God, that's for the people that have it all together. I'm not invited in that. And what Jesus is saying is, for God so loved the world. We've got to stay on message. Now, these little words, I, I love the shortest little word here is the word so. For God so loved the world. Jesus could have said in his conversation with Nicodemus, hey, Nicodemus, for God loved the world. But I think Jesus knew that there was something in you and something in me that thought, you know what, maybe because of what I've done in my past or the struggles in my present, it kind of disqualifies me from that. So Jesus put this little word so in there. And you know this, the word so means most certainly. In fact, the, the, the scriptures could here say, for God most certainly loves the world. This other word here, though, I want to point out to you is the word world. Because you might see that word, for God so loved the world, and think, well, God loves the planet, and God loves the globe, and God loves people generally. But what Jesus is saying here is that God loves you specifically. And maybe you're like me. You're like, how could God see little old me and all the billions of people around the planet? But here's what we have to understand about the heart and the character and the nature of God. I think you would agree with this, that nothing's too big for God. But I think you might also agree, maybe sometimes we don't think of it this way, that no one's too small for God. God is so big, nothing's too small. He sees you, he knows you. That's how big God is. And in essence, what we could, we could interpret this verse of is saying this, that for God so loved, and insert your name here, Steve, Rob, Mike, Mary, Grace, for God so loves you. And here's the deal, Browncroft. When you and I understand that, the, un, the, the overwhelming and unbelievable grace and unconditional love of God flows to you and me. But the key, the secret, is that the gospel can't just flow to you. It has to flow through you. And that's what you're doing here as a church. But the reality here, when it, when it comes to, for God so loves you, the reality here is you might say, well, Jeff, how do you know God loves me? You don't know my past. You've never been here before. You don't know what I'm struggling with here now. Well, the reason I know and can stand up here with any sense of credibility to say that God specifically and individually and, 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 and understands and knows you is because of the remainder of this verse. So for God so loved the world that he gave his only Son. You see, I can tell how much someone loves another person by how much they're willing to give up for that person to serve and love that other person. For example, I have two kids. Uh, one just graduated from college. I got a pay raise just a few months ago, okay? Uh, she graduated. I have a college sophomore. But I would tell my college kids, 
Occasionally, maybe more than occasionally, maybe more frequently, if you ever doubt daddy's love, just remember how much money I'm giving to, for your college education, okay? Maybe not a, guy, a, good guy, a good dad move, but my financial advisor would be very proud of me, okay? So I'm willing to give up for a lot of money for your college education because I love you so much. What Jesus is saying is God the Father loved you so much that he sent me to the cross, And Jesus just didn't make his way to the cross. Jesus made his way through the cross to you. That's how much God loves you. And Jesus is saying, hey, look, if you ever doubt that you've been invited, if you will, to the presidential suite of love and grace and mercy and forgiveness, you have to understand this. Look at me and look at the cross, and that should solve those doubts. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. But you, you see this and you hear this. And here's the, I mean, again, we're not even through the whole verse yet. But when it comes to the church, when it comes to the message of Jesus, there's a problem. There's a problem in your community. And there's a problem in my community when it comes to the church. And here's the problem. You ready for this? If you give here, if you serve here, if you're a part of this incredible church, this is one of the problems that you're trying to solve. And the problem is this. Many people are more familiar with what the church is against rather than what the church is for. Many people, don't, don't miss this. So the most inclusive message, everyone's welcome, everyone's invited, everyone gets in the same way through faith in Jesus. That's the message. It's the most inclusive, welcoming message. Come to Jesus, you're welcome. Come to the cross, you're welcome. And yet, when it comes to the church, many people are more familiar with what the church is against than what the church is for. And when people think that the church is against them, they also conclude God is against them. No, 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 no. This is the message. How did we get here? Can I, can I lean into my previous business and marketing experience? I, I was trained as a marketing person, okay? Um, and I know the church isn't a business. I understand that, okay? And so I'm, I'm going to talk about brand and marketing just for a second. We're going to talk a lot more about that tomorrow, but I know that's not for Sunday. And if I don't get this right, if I say something wrong, you can email me. Uh, my email address is, is pastorrob at browncroft.org. And so <laughs> I understand the business, the, the church isn't a business, and I understand the church isn't a brand. But if we could go there just for a second, if you would allow me to put my marketing and branding hat on just for a moment, I would tell you that the church at large has a branding issue. It has an image problem. It seems like there's these people over here that are really angry and they feel like we got the keys to the kingdom and we're against you. And yet what Jesus is saying in this conversation with Nicodemus is, let me tell you who God is in favor of. God's in favor of the world. That's the message of the gospel. And you know, one of the reasons we can sometimes lose sight of this as a church is because we get too familiar with the message. Some of you already knew when I was talking about John chapter 3, you knew exactly where I was going. My hope for you and me, and especially for me today, because again, I grew up in this I've been in church all my life. I've been around John 3.16. My two kids, this is the first verse they memorized, okay? I understand it all. But I hope you never recover from the grace of Jesus. 
I hope this church never recovers from the unconditional love and grace of Jesus. I hope every single day you wake up and you go, I can't believe that I have the keys to the presidential suite of grace, mercy, love, and forgiveness. Because if that wrecks you every single day, you take one step forward to being the church that Jesus is calling you to be. So let me show you the whole verse. This is it. This is the main thing. This is my words. This is Jesus' words. This is for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And Browncroft, when you go and do what you do, when you go serve here and throughout the community, when you are a light, when you are joy. By the way, did you know when it comes to Christians, many people don't think of us, those of you who are Jesus followers, they don't, the first word that doesn't come to their minds is joy. Jesus is telling us good news. Then the Apostle Paul would pick up on this in the book of Romans, uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 13. This is what Paul said. He goes, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And if you're here or watching online and you've never called on the name of Jesus, we implore you, we encourage you, we welcome you to say, Lord Jesus, today I call on your name. And I confess as a sinner, I need you to get into the family of God. And so I place my faith and my, 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 my trust that you are the Christ, the, the, the Messiah, the son of the living God. And what you did on the cross is paved the way for me to have my sins forgiven and to walk into that suite now and forever. One of the many things I love about this church is that there's something in you. I think it's the, the heart of any thriving church that wants everyone, everyone to call on the name of the Lord. Now, that's John 3, 16 and Romans chapter 10, verse 13. But what a lot of people forget, unfortunately, is John 3, 17. John 3, 17 is actually just as good. It doesn't get much publicity. You don't see people wearing John 3, 17 t-shirts around, okay? But they should. And here's John 3, 17. John 3, 17 also begins with this word for. For God, there we go again. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So you have John 3, 16. John 3, 16. You have John 3, 17. And you have Romans chapter 10, verse 13. Those are three power-packed verses that help us answer the question that we began with today. What do you think God thinks about when God thinks about you? What do you think God thinks about when God thinks about you? And let's take it one step further. According to Jesus. Well, when it comes to this question, what do you think God thinks about when God thinks about you? What we have to understand is that... We, what we're saying is that God is meeting us right where we are. God loves us just the way we are, but he loves us enough not to keep us there. See, the unconditional love, don't miss this, the unconditional love and grace of Jesus grows us up to be the men and women he's calling us to be. I love what Dr. Henry Cloud uh, said about this. He said, for people to grow in their relationship with God, here's what he says, for people to grow, they must discover that God is for them, not against them. And when you and I understand that God is for us, then God can do the internal work to grow us up, as I mentioned, to be who he's calling us to be. This isn't like, hey, you've got your issues. It's not that big of a deal. Jeff, you've got your issues. It's not that big of a deal. No, God wants to, to grow me up to be the, the husband and the dad and the leader and the friend and the son and the brother that I need to be. I'm not there yet. 
But to do that, we have to understand that God is for us. So what does that look like? Well, here's what that looks like. That Jesus, in this passage, and I think what Dr. Cloud is getting at is, um, Jesus didn't come to condemn. He came to save us. The first time that Jesus came, he didn't come wagging his finger. He came with an outstretched hand, and both of them would ultimately become nail-scarred for you. Jesus didn't come to withdraw. He came to help. By the way, do you know why he's called a Savior? It's because you and I need one. You need a Savior, with all due respect. I need a Savior. He came to help us, and he didn't come in judgment this time. He came offering grace. And when you and I understand that God is there for us, that for God so loved you and me, that love flows not just to us, it flows through us. And when there is a church who has the leadership and the elders and the pastor and the pastors that understand this, here's what it looks like. It looks like in about three weeks, let me show you what this looks like. An example, this church is going to partner with the city of Penfield and you're going to do the Penfield Christmas Blast on December 11th. And you're going to go out to this community, enjoy partnering with the city to say Merry Christmas. Tomorrow morning, your church is going to do a business breakfast. Now, just so you know, tomorrow's breakfast isn't about what does God say about work. It's not what it's about. It's not a sermon. It's a business talk about how to grow your business and grow your career. Why would a church do that? Well, the reason a church would do that is we believe one of the ways we change the world is one thriving community at a time. And how you, change, how you create a thriving community, one of the ways is to have, have thriving businesses and organizations. If you show me a thriving community, I'll, I'll show you thriving businesses and organizations. That's what tomorrow is. Tomorrow is simply Browncroft saying, hey, businesses, we're for you. Come join us for business breakfast tomorrow. And when a church is outwardly focused and has a wonderful inward spirit that you have and that I've already experienced this morning, I'm telling you, Jesus shows up. And your light gets brighter and brighter. And oh my goodness, wouldn't you agree? (laughs) In this dark, challenging world that we're living in, it's an opportunity for the church of Jesus to have greater influence like never before. In fact, you know this, but any time in history, as challenging as the days are, those challenging days allow Jesus' people to serve and to lead in greater ways of influence and impact. That's what's happening right now. And sometimes you need to call a timeout. Sometimes you need to fly somebody up from Atlanta who says y'all way too much. And you need to be reminded of what you're doing so that you, you keep the main thing, the main thing, and the main thing is this. For God so loved and loves, insert your name here. And when you and I just soak in that love, it compels us to tell other people, I got great news. You're invited. You're invited to the family of God. And you don't have to wait until eternity. It can actually happen right now. 
And not only are you invited to the family of God, you're invited to be a part of Browncroft Community Church because we want to be the visible reflection of the fact that we all have our issues. They were all a work in progress, but I'm telling you, we found the doctor. We found the savior. We found the Messiah. And can I just bring you to him and let him do his work? Because he so loves you. Browncroft, my hope and prayer for you is that you, as I mentioned earlier, that you never recover from God's love. My hope and prayer for you is that you never get over that fact. My hope and prayer for you is that that will flow, continue to flow to Rochester, to Penfield, and all the other cities that you represent. Because the kingdom of God, as Jesus said, is within you. And when you go to work, when you go to school, when you go to shop, when you go to the ballparks, when you go to the restaurants, you're representing the kingdom. That's the main thing. So there it was. Rich Carlton Presidential Suite, about to get evicted because they gave us the wrong keys. So I opened the door with my bags, and there's the Rich Carlton Bellman there to, to evict us, right? And he has a tray of chocolate-covered strawberries. Well, I love chocolate-covered strawberries because I can tell people I'm on a health kick. I'm eating fruit now, okay? All right, so um, I'll forget the chocolate, but look at that. And so he hands me the tray, and he says, uh, this, this is for you, Mr. Henderson. Do you need anything else? And I'm like, I looked at my wife, Wendy, and I'm like, I don't, do we need anything else? No, I don't think we need anything else, but if we need something, you're my man. I'm coming to you, Okay. So I back away, the big door shuts. I turn to my wife, Wendy, and she says, shut up. This is the greatest day of our life. What is happening here, right? So I put the tray down, and there's a note there. And so I open the note. And when I open the note, all of this suddenly begins to make sense. It was from one of my mentors. And a couple of weeks ago, we were having lunch, and he was like, hey, how are you and Wendy doing? I mean, I know y'all are getting close to 10 years. Right? I said, yeah, actually, we're going to go down to the Rich Carlton. We're going to celebrate 10 years. He just took note of that. So I opened the note, and it was from my mentor. It said, Dear Jeff and Wendy, surprise, you've been upgraded. Love, Woody. That was a great weekend. Browncroft, I came all the way from Atlanta to tell you one thing. Surprise, you've been upgraded. You've been upgraded from death to life. You've been upgraded from separated from God to being a part of the family of God. You've been upgraded to the family. You've been adopted by the into the family of God. And I don't know how your week has been. I don't know what, I mean, we're all facing challenges. We're all works in progress. We saw, you know, we've had some ups and downs throughout all of this. But hey, I'm telling you, great news. You've been upgraded to the family of God. You've been given the keys to the kingdom, not because of anything you did, not because of anything I did, but because of the grace and the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus and the Holy Spirit that now lives within you. Let's go out and be fantastic stewards of that and invite as many people as we possibly can to say, hey, I got good news. You can get upgraded too because God so loves you. God is for you today. 
And let's go out this week and tell other people the gospel that God is for you too. And that's what God thinks about when God thinks about you. Father, thank you for this incredible church. Thank you for what you're doing here. Um, thank you for the, the Christmas event, the Penfield Christmas Blast coming up December 11th. And may this church continue just to let this community know how much you love them. I pray for what's going to happen tomorrow morning at the business breakfast. Most of all, may we just go out today, maybe with our shoulders a little bit higher and our, our, our resolve a little bit more firm, knowing that you're with us, that you're for us, and that maybe today, we can just have a conversation, maybe with the waitress or the waiter or somebody that we come in contact with, and the conversation goes there, and we go, you know what? I got great news for you. God loves you. Jesus loves you, and our church is for you. So I pray for Rob and his leadership and the team here. I pray for this holiday season and all the challenges that we're facing or all the opportunities that we have. Continue to bless this church, and thank you for the opportunity that we get to tell other people that you're for us because you love us so much. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give Jeff a hand. Thank you, Jeff. So before I send you out, Jeff just prayed for um, opportunities. Tomorrow is one. It's a business person's breakfast. Jeff already introduced it, so I won't say what it is. But let me say this. It's here. It's going to be a great meal. Um, but it's limited. Right? We're not doing this, you know, at the auditorium theater or something. So there is limited seating uh, and this has been going on for a couple of weeks. So if you want to be a part of it tomorrow, come. If you want to bring a friend, someone from your office, a friend uh, that would find this meaningful and valuable, whether they're a churchgoer or not. You kind of got that message this morning. Browncroft.org slash events. You can sign up. Hopefully see you tomorrow morning. Have a great Sunday.